Savage. Austin Jackson back looks up. You can put it on the board. Yeah. Tame center for Kane. He scores. Oh, Patrick Kane set up by Jonathan Tame. The dynamic duo comes through in overtime. Hawk wins. Looking. Finds Rose. Rose trying to get open. Fires away. Everybody and welcome to a new episode of the Cloudgate Sports Podcast. We have quite a lot to talk about today. Decent amount of negatives. We're going to change the tone a little bit in the podcast today. Kind of steering away from our positive vibes. Uh, Pat, PT, how are we feeling, guys? Feeling pretty good. I'm excited for this episode, man. We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. We do. And uh, we got Did some uh, great things to talk about with NCAA. We're going to be adding that into our uh, on our uh, list of things that we talk about. We will also be talking about Bulls draft that's coming up. Obviously, the White Sox, absolute shit show. We do have some positives, though. Cubs, not too much. And then, of course, we're going to start off right away with the uh, very rough Chicago Bears team. PT, take it away. Yeah, for sure. Before we podcast, um, just with the recent events, especially with the Chicago Bears and the Chicago White Sox, what do you guys think? It's just in my head. I feel like Chicago teams are always out of the major cities, like including L.A. and New York, are like the teams that like can never get their shit together. Is that just me, or do you guys feel the same thing? Like it's it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I definitely feel you. And uh, talking with my dad about how if Chicago sports was always like this. I mean, if you think about it, besides that Bulls dynasty in the 90s, we haven't had a Bears uh, Super Bowl since 85. White Sox before 05 was 60-something years. Cubs was 100 years. I mean, it's just we, we're not good at winning. We're not good at winning, and that's a problem. It's just like this overarching like aura around Chicago sports where it's is, – is, is, how bright it can look so bright in the future, but there's always going to be that one turn, and, and it that turn. I, I remember we we ended last week's podcast. We cut the recording and we're like, all right, we shouldn't have too much to talk about. Hopefully the Bears win. Socks, probably nothing's going to happen. You know, maybe the MVP. Um, nothing with the Hawks. We'll do a little bit of draft stuff and dive into some NCAA stuff, and then like. Every possible wrong that could have happened since we ended last week's recording has happened. Mm-hmm. It's it, I agree, PT. It's just like we'll never get our shit straight. We won't. Yeah. So kind of going um, into right diving right into the Chicago Bears, um, they can't just figure out their shit. And every week it just gets worse and worse and worse. And we're getting to a point where it's getting to where we're turning our TVs off again in the third quarter. It's not looking good. Um, I, we were sitting here at one point five and two, saying we're lucky to be where we are, and now we're sitting here at five and four with our heads down, putting a paper bag over our heads, and wondering where we're going wrong. Um, 
we lost last week to the Tennessee Titans, twenty-four to seventeen. The game was the score is not really indicating the game. Uh, the offense literally did jack shit. Um, it's getting to a point where like it, I'm pretty sure we could run a junior high team out there, and their defense can stop our offense too. Um, it's it's just no energy. It's kind of I mean every aspect of the game. Wide receivers are still dropping balls. Our quarterback can't figure it out. Dropping snaps. Um, our offensive line is just, <laughs> I mean, there's so many different wrong things with that. And then our play calling. Um, we, we've been t- touching on uh, play calling being given up. Nagy um, finally mentioned this week that that's even being considered now. So that is a positive, and we'll kind of look into that. Um, one other thing kind of look into is our defense has been playing really well, though. I mean, you have faced the two le- most lethal running backs in the league with Alvin Kamara, and they held him to 67 rushing yards, and Derrick Henry, when they held him to 68 rushing yards. You can hold Derrick Henry to 68 rushing yards. It's very good. They, uh, Roquan Smith did a great job of uh, wrapping up, and he was everywhere. I think our defense played really well. Um, there's one thing I really am concerned about our defense right now, and it's kind of um, shows, too, is in a show in the Tennessee game, is our, D, our DBs are getting beat. Um, we're getting beat deep, and, and that could be from not getting – to the quarterback as quick but you can't get to the quarterback every time like that so that's just kind of a recap of the Tennessee game there's a lot of negatives and not very many positives um it's 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 tough right now boys what are you guys thinking yeah uh kind of going off with what you said with our DBs getting beat uh one of the best catches of the season so far AJ Brown had so I mean there's nothing really that we could do there it was an absolutely unbelievable catch uh, it'd be nice if we could get some of those with the Bears. I know A-Rob has had a couple good catches this year. Uh, I mean, it's just not looking good. Uh, defense is on the field too much again, which causes uh, our DBs to get tired, defensive line to get tired, so we're not pressuring the quarterback as much. Uh, I mean, it's just ugly. I, I have a question for you guys that we'll – Pat, we'll get your uh, thoughts on this weekend, and then we'll get uh, – to the answer to the question. Do you guys think that this offensive line, I know Redline Radio talked about it a little bit. Do you think it's on COVID because we've had a couple problems? Or do you think it's on pace for not bringing in the depth to have for an offensive line? So, Pat, go ahead and talk about what you think about this weekend first. Yeah, so I'll hit on a couple positives. Um, Brandon, you talked about the wide receiver play. And I'll be honest with you, I think the only bright spot of our offense is our wide receivers. Allen had a couple big catches um, Darnell Mooney is still popping the fuck off as a rookie. Um, we got to see uh, Riley Ridley finally hit the field, make a couple big plays on third down for us, which I was stoked to see. I really think our, our wide receivers are making Nick look better than he actually is, and that's saying something because Nick looks horrible on the field. So bad. Uh, so to bad. the defense, I mean, PT said our defense looks absolutely phenomenal. We've held the two leading rushers in the NFL to below 100 yards back-to-back weeks. Um, you know, I, the DBs worry me a little bit, but nothing too crazy. Cause I mean, that, that catch was phenomenal. And I mean, Tannehill was threading the needle on some of those, those throws too. So I had to tip my cap to their, to the Titans offense on that one. But in terms of, uh, talking about the offensive line, um, I, I think it falls on pace, honestly. I mean, pace, pace has done a phenomenal job over the past couple of years at completely rebuilding this or this defense to the best defense in the fucking league, and has added some core pieces. You know, Allen Robinson. Um, 
Uh, we drafted uh, Monty. We added Tree Cohen, Cordell Patterson. He's he's done his job, but it seems like he's just overlooked our offensive line completely. And I don't know if if that is just because he thought we have a good offensive line. But I mean, coming into a year like this, I mean, you need to prepare for the worst to happen. You need to prepare. You need to have backup plans. And um, it's just, I think that, I mean, COVID is definitely something to play into this role, but I think it really falls on pace because even if COVID wasn't a thing and we still had Cody Whitehair out there this week and Jermaine Effetti, I still don't think we're a good, I still think our offense is going to be playing any, any better. I mean, our offensive line, COVID, no COVID, is really isn't that good. So I think it falls on pace. 100%. Um, I think it kind of leans both ways. Um, COVID can affect any team. Um, but that's not an excuse. It's going to happen. But what we say every year, I feel like everyone asks a Bears fan, what do you need in the draft? And the, every answer, there's always going to be an offensive lineman. And I feel like every year we draft an offensive lineman sixth, seventh, eighth round. Are you, are you fucking kidding me? Like, that's, that's, that's not going to get it done. We had an opportunity to draft Quinn Nelson, considered to be one of the most dominant physical and badass linemen in the NFL. And, it, it literally hurt me that we didn't take him. Um, going on from that, uh, there's there's things like we've, we've picked up veteran offensive linemen here and there, and they just haven't seemed to play out. Um, and it, it, so in, in my opinion, it falls on pace. Um, next year, we got to go out and get an offensive lineman in early rounds. It's, there's not even a question because it's, it's getting repetitive and it's starting to detract away from Chicago too because we're going to get into this too. We're getting to a point where Allen Robinson might not even want to resign with the Chicago Bears, and that's another book. I think we might be at that point already, honestly. It's it's very sad, and but it's starting to set in, unfortunately. So you know, it's a great question. Um, we're gonna move on to Vikings next week, prime time. Oh lord, um, I'm I'm not looking forward to it. I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, we thought that the the Vikings uh, were gonna be a shoe in. They had some very key um, injuries on the uh, defensive side of the ball that really would have helped our offense. But then again, they have Dalvin Cook, who is literally burning defensive down right now. But like we mentioned earlier, our defense has handled these really good running backs really well so far. And in the past, we've done really well with Dalvin Cook too. So it's just going to be the rest of our defensive shoulders. And if our offense can put up more than 10 points – We'll see what happens. What do you guys think about next week? As uh, as the wise Barstool Chief said, I can get up for one more game. Uh, if if things go south quick in this uh, Monday night game, might be turning it off a little bit sooner than the third quarter. Uh, I mean, I, I'll, I'm going to go all in for this week. I'm going to be pumped on Sunday, ready for the Monday night game. It's been long enough since last week's game that I'm feeling – Okay, and the positive vibes are starting to come back, but I, I'm deep down. I know, just like last year, hope is hope is gone quick. It's it's getting there. It really is. The city of Chicago might set on fire if the Bears lose going into the, <laughs> going into their bye week right now. Uh, again, I'm the same way with you guys. I don't feel very good about this game. Again, do I feel? I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll put my I'll put this defense against any offense in the NFL, and I'll bet on my defense. I'm not worried about the defense not being able to handle Delvin Cook in prime time. Kirk Cousins is not good. Like historically, he's fucking awful. Um, so it's gonna it's, we just need some sort of movement on the with the ball 
fire offense. We're wearing the orange jerseys. It's like the second year in a row where we've wore, we've wore the orange jerseys primetime against the Vikings. We did win last year against them. Like uh, Eddie Jackson had a pick six, so hopefully that kind of sparks it right there. Um, but, PT, you brought up a good point. I want to kind of circle back to this one about uh, not drafting Quentin Nelson. So that 2018 draft was is a quite the draft. We had Baker, Saquon, Sam Darnold, all those guys. So Quentin went number six to the Colts. The Bears go number eight, and we draft Roquan Smith. If we're able to go back in time, would you rather have Roquan or would you rather have Quentin Nelson? It's a very, very That's a tough, tough question. question, Pat. It's, it's like, it is. And, and think if we don't draft Roquan, the next pick in that draft was the 49ers, and that was Mike, Mike McGinchy, an offensive tackle from Notre Dame. So offensive lineman, a top 10 O-lineman, was on the board mm-hmm. after Quentin Nelson before we drafted Roquan. So here's my whole thing. Um, if we would have had the ability to draft Quentin Nelson, if we were in that five spot and it was between Roquan Smith and Quentin Nelson, I would have drafted Quentin Nelson for this reason. Chicago Bears are always known for their linebacking core and their defense. And their defense was always their strength at that point. So what we need to do is we need to prove the offensive line. We would have, I promise you, we would have found another linebacker that we would have coached up and looked as good. He probably would have been Roquan Smith, and this is nothing against him because he literally has carried our defense. But we need it more on the offense right now. We need that badass, that motherfucker that will run you over, pancake you, all that stuff, you know? And, we're missing it right now, and it sucks. It sucks, but that's that's so tough. That's so tough. I agree 100%. One other move that I would like to uh, bring up here, Robert Quinn hasn't done much for us this year. Could have spent that money on the offensive line, but obviously you can't unsign somebody, so we're stuck with him. That's a good point, too. Is I mean, we brought in Robert Quinn to, ho- to hopefully take some – some focus away from Khalil and generate more one-on-ones for Khalil. On he's got outside. one sack. He's got one sack, and Khalil is constantly getting double teamed. And that ultimately, if you look at that, that's going to free up some room for uh, Hicks in the front. But I mean, now, now we just lost Roy Robinson Harris for the rest of the season too, so we did take a, a hit to our defensive line. So I mean, it's a good point. I think I would have went with Quentin Nelson as well, just because I feel like you need that one core dude to build your offensive line on. Like, what well, we had Roberto Garza back in the day. He was our core guy, uh, Kyle Long, when he was playing still. That was our one core guy we were able to build around. And obviously, the Colts are building around Quentin Nelson. So, uh, it's a good – I think I would give up Quentin Nelson, too, for, uh, for Roquan. But going into this game this uh, on Monday night, the Bears are currently plus 2.5, and, and the money line is plus 32, 132 for the Bears, over under uh, 43.5. Yeah, that's, that's smash that's cool. the under. Yeah, I'm that's smashing that's the under with our defense and how with how good our defense is and how bad our mm. offense is. That's a good hit on the under, honestly. Great under hit if you guys are looking to bet money. Um, I think another good way to look at the defense too right now is it's known that Chuck Pagano doesn't like to bring pressure, and so that also is an issue when you have stud defensive linemen and they're trying to create room for themselves and get pressure on the quarterback, well, obviously the line, if you know they're not going to bring pressure, they're going to be able to double-team and focus on these three-star guys. So if you bring in Trevathan once in a while or Roquan, it's going to free up those guys to get more pressure on the quarterback. And it just seems like Pagano will never get away from not bringing pressure. That, that's disheartening as well. Yeah. All right, well, I guess we're going to bang the under. 
and <laughs> hope the Bears uh, can stop Cook and make a fool out of uh, make a fool out of the Vikings. So yes, we need our defense. We need Bears. we need defensive points this week. We need <laughs> defensive points. All right, moving on to the South Side of Chicago. We're going to start with the not-so-negative before we get to the really negative. Uh, obviously, today, new pitching coach announced, Ethan Katz, very excited. Uh, he was, he's been the number one choice, really, ever since Don Cooper left. Uh, he, uh, so, if you're, if you're wondering how Giolito got from being the shittiest pitcher in the league to coming seventh in the Cy Young vote this year... And I think he was fourth or fifth last year. It's this guy right here. This is where uh, this is the guy who Gilito works with during the offseason. Uh, very smart. Very he's very uh, technical, uh, which is exactly what we needed with the hiring of Tony Larusa, who's very old school. Tony, big tone. We'll be talking about him in a little bit. Uh, but again, very excited about Ethan Katz. How are you guys feeling about it? Yeah, I think it's a great hire. I think it's something that needed to happen. Um, I think we see this uh, trend coming in with, you know, with McCann really working well um, with uh, Giolito. I think we're kind of feeling and kind of feeding off of that energy. So the fact that we're building pieces and putting them together that really connect, it's going to be really good. It's going to help out almost everybody on that pitching staff. I mean, it's, it's a solid pickup, and it kind of falls back to what we were talking about in terms of building around a younger coach who is able to incorporate analytics into their, their, their coaching style. And I think that's a huge asset we had, and I'm very excited to see what, uh, what he can do when he gets a hold of not only G. Lito, but Kopech, who's hopefully trying to come back this year, um, Crochet, uh, Keiko, all those guys. I mean, this could be – it's not – I mean, it's, 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 it's getting a lot of attention because of his connection with G. Lito. But there's so many more assets that he's going to be able to impact in a positive way. You see what he's done to Giolito over the past couple of years. I mean, look what he imagine what he could do to a guy like Dane Dunning or or Crochet, so those younger guys. So I'm super excited with this pickup. Yes, uh, I was going to start with the most positive news and go all the way down to the negative. But new pitching coach got over trumped by Pito getting announced MVP winner. Great news, absolutely ecstatic for Jose Abreu if you look at what he's done for this team throughout the years and the fact that honestly he was he wasn't even close to our biggest uh transaction this past offseason re-signing him and you know what he ended up being exactly that absolutely crazy season uh put up the MVP numbers but even more importantly he was a captain to this team just so excited to have him for two more years and then hey We'll enjoy them, and we'll see what happens. So how are you guys feeling about uh, MVP Toe on the south side yeah, of Chicago? Dude, there's not a more deserving guy in the world right now than Jose Abreu. Um, he, he literally, it just brings a smile. I think it literally, I think all of us can feel the same way. It's bringing a smile to our face because we know how much he deserves it. And he's been so loyal to the White Sox. And I've said, I think we've all said this multiple times, is that he finally gets a team around him that he's going to be able to, one, mentor, want to be a veteran on the team and show these guys how to be successful and then they're all going to feel off that and be a great baseball team. so congrats we love you and we are so thankful you are on the south side yeah i mean he deserves it 100 percent. listen he had a very good competition in jose ramirez and, and dj mayhew and i'm not gonna slander those guys at all they're how players 
I, I think we all, I think a lot of, every Southside fan knew that he was a lock for this award, and it's very deserving. And, I mean, there is, there's no, I, I can't think of a person that I would want to be this, the captain of this team other than Jose Abreu. I mean, when I think of captains of the White Sox, obviously Paulie's the first one to come to my mind. Uh, honestly, I think Jose is right up there, too. I mean, you can throw Burley in there as well, but, I mean, I mean, Jose, and the time he's been here and through the shit he's been through with this organization, I think he's rising to the top as one of the most, like, respected players in not only in our organization but in the whole, the whole MLB. Yes, and now adding to his trophy room, he has added uh, MVP, and he also has Rookie of the Year from his uh, rookie season in 2014. So definitely stacking on. All he needs now is a World Series ring. It's all he needs, and uh, he'll be set. He's definitely put his mark as a White Sox legend. Uh, how lucky have we been with first baseman Abreu, Canerco, Thomas? Then before that, even Ron Kittle, what he did with uh, back in the '80s with Larusa. So amazing that the White Sox have gotten so lucky with first baseman. Now, stepping it back a notch, we're gonna go to Dallas Keuchel and Lucas Giolito coming in. Fifth and seventh in Cy Young voting. Awesome. Keiko was our big offseason signing. Uh, he definitely proved himself this off se- or this season. Looked great. So how, how do you guys feel about those two taking uh, pl- some places in the Cy Young voting? I think it definitely just kind of shows what we have in our pitching staff. Um, obviously, Giolito struggled out in the beginning. We were a little worried. Uh, what would come of it, but he definitely turned around and started to show, once again, why he's our ace. You know, Keiko, he, he came in here, he, he had a goal in his mind of what he wanted, um, and, you know, we we made it to the playoffs, and I think that's just a stepping stone of where he wants to go and where he wants to be, and I think those two are both deserving of where, where they place for sure. I mean, the White Sox are, are breaking their way into national headlines with the awards they're either being nominated for or they're winning. Um, I mean, these guys deserve it. Like I said, Giolito had a, a rough start to the year, and Keiko was our, the one who kind of stood strong in the beginning part of the year until Gio started getting fired up. And, I mean, to think that these to think that Gio had a rough start and still came in seventh and Dallas was pretty solid throughout the entire year, a little bit shaky on the back end and came in, in fifth, I mean, that shows – respect to what we have and like i said with the signing we made today with our pitching coach i mean the only way is up for these guys uh, not only lucas and, and and dallas but i mean all young guys too so it's it's super good to hear and like i said it's bringing national attention to what the, what's building what's being built on the south side definitely uh kind of talking about keichel's struggles and uh at the end of the year i think that had more to do with the fact that ricky was stretching him way too much towards the end of the season when obviously he should have been more uh, preservative with uh, Keiko because we're going to need him for the playoffs. All right, boys, you ready to start getting into some negatives here? Yeah, let's do it. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. All right, so we're going to start with Luis Robert coming in second, which is positive, but the negative on this is, and this makes no sense to me, that he got zero first-place votes. Uh, I I agree, Kyle Lewis – should have won, but the fact that it was unanimous, if you look at the numbers, Luis Robert and Kyle Lewis were neck and neck for the whole season, and they both struggled towards the end. So, in my opinion, there's no way that he should have uh, had all 30 first place votes. And how about our Chicago guys? Not even not even one guy voting for Luis Robert. Unbelievable. 
Yeah, that, that is kind of mind-blowing. Um, and you don't see that much. You don't see that really often, too. You see completely across the board. Um, yeah, I know he struggled towards the end of the season, but, I mean, he had some spots where he was looking like an MVP candidate, you know. So, um, congrats to Kyle Lewis. He does deserve it. 100%. Uh, but Robert's coming for that MVP spot. I'm telling you, he's going to have some good, good years. Yeah, it's. I mean, I remember seeing the word. I mean, we texted you guys today that uh, that Lewis had won it, and then you responded by saying he was actually unanimous. Uh, it was a shocker to me, honestly. Like you said, if you look at the numbers, they're pretty even throughout the entire way. Um, they both had their upsides, both had their downsides. So, I mean, it sucks, but I'm, like I said, Luis is getting the national attention, and if anything, this is just going to put a chip on his shoulder to come out with some vengeance next year and really prove what he is. Because, I mean, what he did in the minors – uh, two years ago to what he did this year obviously doesn't equate, but it's a different different scenario with what the situation they are playing in. Um, so I mean, him getting a full year under his belt, hopefully. Uh, I mean, I, I would I would say he's coming and he's coming back stronger than ever. Hundred uh, percent. Now we're gonna get into the very negative news. A uh, couple things are intertwined with this one big headline. Tony Larusa is a drunk. Uh, we kind of, we kind of knew that after his DUI, uh, from, I believe it was 2006, he has again been, uh, charged with another DUI. Not a good look for the White Sox. Not a good look at all, especially for the fact that they knew about it before announcing that he was hired. If I were the White Sox, there were two approaches to this. One, and they... There's the, I guess there's three, because they chose the third one, the wrong one, the complete wrong one. They could have waited for this to be resolved and then announce it. Or they could have just said, fuck it, and signed Hinch, Cora, Alomar. But instead, they announced it was La Russa, and now they got the PR shitstorm that they're dealing with now. Uh, and I don't know if you guys have looked at the quotes from him getting pulled over. But it's the absolutely fi- hysterical, dude. But, it's like you think that shit's fake. And then you, you like do. realize it's an official report and you're like, oh my God, who did we actually sign? The fact that he said that he's a Hall of Fame brother, that's uh, that's not good. Not good. Not a good look at all. Uh, if I were to make a decision, I for one would be on board with letting LaRusa go. Obviously, that's not going to happen because uh, I feel like if – if they were going to let him go, it would have been done by now. I know the White Sox finally released a statement today saying that they're not going to comment on it until uh, the lawyers get involved and see what Tony actually gets charged with. Uh, he's obviously going to get charged with something because, I mean, it's very, very clear. So I want to get your guys' opinion on what you would do. Would you keep Tony? Would you let him go? I mean, obviously the clear decision is to let him go. Uh, but obviously we're kind of fucked now because other teams have started to sign their remaining uh, head coaches. So what do you do from here? I don't know. I mean, you got. I mean, you're kind of fucked. You're you're, you're stuck with the situation. You got to deal with it. Um, and there's just so many negative things coming with this, even without just a head coach. And I think we'll get into that in a little bit. But it's just it's just sad. It's sad and it's demoralizing. Because of how much we, I think the White Sox have worked so hard to get noticed by the media in a positive light, and then when just when we start to kind of 
get into ESPN noticing us a little bit more. Well, we're definitely on fucking ESPN now. Exactly. (laughs) Not in a good way. We're definitely on ESPN for the wrong reason. And that's not what the White Sox wanted to do. And that's not what the fan base wants. And and like you said, Mahoney, you you texted us a couple days ago saying that there's Twitter accounts talking about switching to different teams. Uh, It's sad and it's disheartening, like I said. And it's disappointing. It really is disappointing. Yeah, I think that's the right term to use. It's I don't think any of us are really pissed. And we're just disappointed, man. Like this shit sucks. Uh, do I? I mean, I think the only decision is to let him go. I don't think you can have a coach under these circumstances. I don't think that like you. I don't know. I think we should like we should get rid of him. Um, I do. I think it's going to happen. And no, I think Jerry Reinsdorf is going to do everything in his power to hold on to him. And. Uh, we're gonna have to face repercussions. I mean, hopefully it doesn't um, it doesn't impact the players too much. I mean, I think the group of guys we have are dead set uh, on pursuing uh, a championship, and they're gonna do anything in their way. And uh, I think Rick Hahn is also. I think it's like Rick Hahn and our players are on the same team, and then Tony and Jerry are on their their other team. You hit and, it right on the head, right there, Pat. Hundred uh, percent. I think Rick is gonna ride with our boys till till he his time is done in Chicago. And uh, so we'll have to see. I think it's. I think we have to let him go. But I mean, the words of the White Sox and even Steve Stone went on Twitter and said too that it's it's not a good situation. But you do you gotta let everything play out and see what happens. I mean, regardless, even if he doesn't get charged or like it, the charges get dropped or whatever happens in, in the legal system, I mean, still this negative attention was still brought to our team. Players already said they don't want to play for a, our organization who has a coach that was hired under these circumstances. Um, so ultimately, when when things settle down and the legal system deals with everything, Jerry Reinsdorf better have one good explanation as to why he signed him knowing this shit and why, if he is still our coach, why is he still our coach after all this shit has played out? Jerry owes the city of Chicago a fucking explanation. 100%. And you, you know he's not going to explain. He's going to put it all over on Rick Hahn's plate. Uh, and again, even more negatives with this situation. Jose Abreu just won the MVP. The comments on the tweets, the Instagram posts are about Tony Larusa, not Jose Abreu, and that that makes me very disappointed. Not only in Jerry Reinsdorf, of course, but the fan base. Just just let it drop for like one post. Just one post. Just talk about Abreu, and then you could go all about uh, trashing Tony Larusa again. Now, somebody who hasn't uh, shied away from trashing on Tony La Russa, Marcus Stroman. Uh, obviously, he ended up re-signing with the New York Mets, getting overpaid by about $15 million for next year. He'll be uh, making 18.5 one year. Didn't even play at all this year. So, good luck to the New York Mets with that one. I know we congratulated them last week. This week, we're, we're wishing them luck. Uh, just the... And this is what worries me about the Tony Russa hire and all the negatives that come with Tony. Marcus Stroman said on Twitter for everybody to see, I am not coming to the White Sox. There is no amount of money that can get me to go to the White Sox. Peace of mind means more to him. Well, shit, what about Trevor Bauer or George Springer? These guys that we want to get on our team, what if the only reason they're not coming is Tony Larusa? There's a lot of negatives with Tony La Russa that I feel like Jerry Reinsdorf just doesn't give a fuck about. 
and it's going to affect us next year with our free agent signings. Hopefully, hopefully we pull it out and we get Bauer, Springer, and everything's happy in the end. But right now, I'm not happy. Not one bit. Like this just just seems like the perfect like Jerry Reinsdorf like signing. Like this is his buddy that he goes to drink with after uh, like at a night out, have have a cigar, and then they get in a little trouble. It's just like this is something that you like you, you think would he would definitely like. It's just one of his buddies, you know. He's always known for helping his buddies out. And it's just I even said that Marcus Stroman was on my list that hopefully the White Sox would sign. And the fact that he came out and bashed the White Sox, it hurt. It did hurt. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see what goes on after this. Um, has he talked to Tim Anderson yet? We talked about that on last episode. He hasn't reached out to him yet. We said not to really have be concerned about that right now. But it's starting to get to a point where he needs to make it's, sure that his players understand what's going on. Yeah, and it's um, in the back of our head. That's for sure. Exactly. Exactly. So... There's a lot. There's a large mountain for Tony La Russa and Jerry Ryan's to climb right now. and They, they, they better come out with a ring. That's all I'm saying. It better end with a ring. They better. So I'm going to try to wrap up this area with a little bit of positivity and, and what was kind of crossing my mind in the midst of all this shit. I look at the last dance and how Jerry Reinsdorf was going was gonna to tear apart that dynasty by letting go of questionably one of the best coaches to ever coach in the NBA, Phil Jackson. And there were players, Michael himself said, I'm not coming back if Phil's not my coach. Um, and you, you saw all that turmoil even before that last season where, when they finally parted away with, ways with Phil uh, and Michael took a step back from the game. Um, players were still coming to the Bulls. Dennis, I know he was he was brought in. And, and ultimately, Dennis didn't give two shits about the organization. He cared about winning. So that's my one, like, bright spot in this area is that these players in the MLB, Bauer, Springer, are going to look at what we have in terms of talent and know, listen, I might not like this coach and I might not like this owner, but I know the GM's in a good place. And I know we got a bunch of dogs in this roster that had the potential to win a World Series. So we might find – and that's the thing, too, is, like, with the Bulls, it was the player – it was, like, Phil and those players were on the same team and Jerry – and Jerry Krause and Jerry uh, Reinsdorf were on the same team, too. I think if Rick Hahn is the one talking to these players, Trevor Bauer, Springer, um, Hendricks, any of those guys, he'll be able to offer a better input as to what this team has in, in terms of potential going forward. And that's my one, that's like I said, that's my one bright area is that with the Bulls and this turmoil they're in, players still want to go and play because Michael was the best and they knew they were chasing championships. <clears throat> Hopefully it's the same way in this where Rick Hawk is still bringing some people because he knows that these players have the championship potential. And, and hopefully that doesn't deter too many free agents from areas. So that's the one bright spot I have in, in the midst of all this Tony LaRusha shit. All I right. appreciate that. I, yeah. I actually really like that point, Pat, because I think that's very true. Trevor Bauer is a guy that doesn't give a fuck, you know. And he, he's a guy that goes out there and he wants to win. And he's going to walk all over you when he wins. So I think that's a great point, Pat. I just want to make sure that I'll give you, give you props. <laughs> Lastly, a congratulations to Ricky Renneria on coming second in Manager of the Year. Uh, Rick, we're kind of missing you a little bit more now, buddy. I uh, just want to let you know that he doesn't have a job yet, so you never know. You never know. All right, now we're moving on to the north side. You Darvish comes in second for the Cy Young Award. 
great year for you, Darvish. Uh, obviously, it was going to be very tough to beat Trevor Bauer, and we talked about that. Uh, I think both Cy Young uh, were both locks and Shane Bieber and Trevor Bauer. Uh, secondly, former Cubs closer Koji Uhara, calling it a career. Absolutely wonderful career here in the States. Uh, hats off to him. Uh, good guy. Obviously, uh, got the last out with uh, David Ross with the 2013 Boston Red Sox, which was a team that most of us will never forget. Lastly, before we move on to hockey, I want to point this out to all the all the AL and NL Central haters. Two of the three American League MVPs came from the AL Central. Two of the three of the uh, Cy Youngs in the AL came from the AL Central. Two of the three Cy Youngs for the NL came from the Central. One uh, manager of the year from the AL Central, one manager of the year from the NL Central. I'm just saying we represented a lot of categories this year and uh, definitely was a good year for the both Centrals. Uh, so great to see it. Very happy with... Uh, where baseball is on the north side, the south side, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Just got to stay positive. So, Pat, on to you, brother. Not too much um, in terms of in terms of hockey talk, but I, I saw this on Twitter, and I had to bring it up in the podcast. And I'll shoot it a quick t- uh, tweet out for us on our on our Twitter page, at Cloudgate Sports. If you don't follow us, go drop us a follow. But I'm um, scrolling through scrolling through Twitter about three three four days ago, and I see Wayne Gretzky, the greatest hockey player to ever play, doing a collaboration with Drake's OVO merch. Did you guys see this picture? Yes, I did. God, he yeah. looks dapper as hell, dude. That's a, like one of the <laughs> coolest things of 2020 right there. It, it means it's a shitty year, but uh, <laughs> Wayne Gretzky with a collab with OVO and, and, and Abreu living the MV, MVP, those are like the two brightest spots of this fucking podcast episode. And it's happened in the last week, so. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that was, I just, I you just couldn't talk about that. I mean, it, the greatest hockey player to ever live, collabing with uh, a true legend in terms of Canadian pop culture and pop culture across the entire world, honestly. Um, so, yeah, you had to mention it. Let's dive into the into the NBA talk. So it's been uh, it's been a quite a, quite the interesting past twenty four hours in terms of the NBA. So we are going to do our, our draft picks in a little bit, but I want to talk a couple quick news uh, tidbits that have hit the storylines pretty recently. I think the most um, <clears throat> pertinent one is Russell Westbrook has made it known that he wants it out of Houston. Um, so he is locked up. So that's going to have to be a trade. And the stuff I've been seeing on Twitter, it looks like the Hornets, the Detroit Pistons, and the Clippers are the three big suitors for Russell Westbrook at the moment. Um, I know for the Detroit trade, it would basically, it, I think it was almost a one-for-one where Russell's going to Detroit and Blake Griffin's coming to the uh, the Rockets, which with Clint Capella as your center and Blake at a number two or at the four, and he can play a stretch four as well. He's developed a three-point shot over the years. Not a bad set for... Um, for the for the Rockets going into the playoffs, it's something they definitely needed because they're known for running a small lineup, and that's honestly how that was their demise against that Lakers team. Is the Lakers were just so much bigger than them that they dominated in the low post. Um, so outside of what Russell Westbrook, uh, Demar Derozan apparently is also on the block, and it looks like the LA Lakers are the number one team in trying to land Demar Derozan. And for that trade, I saw Kyle Kuzma and. Danny Green are getting sent to the Spurs in return for DeMar DeRozan. Lastly, and I'll open it up to you guys, uh, 
the Mavericks are reaching out to the Bulls on possibly looking to trade for Zach Levine, which, in my opinion, I think we need to hold on to Zach. Um, I think we need to get rid of basically everybody except for Colby White and except for Zach Levine and build around them too. So I'm not, I'm not dead set on losing Zach Levine in a trade, but I'd be interested to see what we'd actually get in return because I feel like the Mavs don't have too much to offer at the moment. Obviously, they're building around Porzingis and Luka Doncic, which are a great duo, and they show their strength, especially for being so young in the playoffs this year. So it'll be interesting to see what happens further, especially, I mean, we have a whole new front office in the, in the, for the Bulls right now. So I don't feel bad. If the, if the trade goes through, I'll be interested to see what it is. Um, so I definitely have a new sense of renewed trust in our front office now that Gar and Pax are gone. So, boys, Russell Westbrook, DeMar DeRozan, and Zach Levine, what do you guys got? Uh, so starting with Russell Westbrook, I'm just excited to see where he's going to end up. I was kind of shocked to see that the Hornets were kind of leading the charge on uh, getting Westbrook. But hey, that's Michael Jordan's team, so you never know what's going to happen. You never know. Uh, Mavs reaching out on Zach. I'm not totally against getting rid of Zach, but I'm kind of with you, Pat, where we're really nothing without Zach, uh, especially if we end up blowing it up and only keeping Colby. And I've heard talks that maybe Wendell Carter is going to have an improvement this year. But of course, I feel like we say that about 75% of the team every year. And uh, yeah, we're still not getting better. DeMar DeRozan and the Lakers. The Lakers I've been seeing a lot on a lot of trade rumors. Uh, most notably uh, with Derrick Rose. I've seen a lot of Derrick Rose and Laker talks. Uh, so look, hey, the Lakers are going uh, trying to go back to back. Not against it at all. Very exciting. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be an exciting uh, month of the NBA offseason. A lot of moving parts in the next... Because... Uh, Trades and signings can't happen for another 10 days, correct? I think it's the 22nd. I believe so, yes. Yes, so, and then the season starts December 22nd, so that's one full month of movement, and it's going to it's gonna be crazy. There's going to be a lot of moving parts. Yeah, so um, for, the, for Russell Westbrook, I'd definitely keep an eye on the Clippers. Um, he could definitely help out the Clippers a lot, and... You know, I think the Clippers have always been looking to try to flip the script with the Lakers and take over L.A., and you never know. He might be able to do it. I think the issue with Russell Westbrook is that he just has this negative B following him everywhere he goes. He always has – he's kind of like um, Antonio Brown as well. You see it. They're kind of like ne- – they're considered negative in the locker room and all that different type of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Um, I don't see Levine leaving. I think they, got to, they have to hold on to him. Um, in my opinion, I think it's just another core piece to build around, like Pat said. And we'll see what happens with DeMar, DeMar DeRozan. We'll see. I have no idea what's going to happen with him. So before we move on to our draft picks, I do want to touch base on Derrick Rose. The Lakers have been uh, in the in the talks for trying to land Derrick Rose. Um, I don't – You. it's weird because they do have Rajon Rondo, so I'm not too sure how you'd fit in that rotation. Obviously, I'll be the first one to say it. I – I am a Michael Jordan guy. I think Michael is the best to ever play the game and will be the best to ever play the game. Um, did I care the Lakers won this year? Not really. Uh, I'm not the biggest LeBron fan. However, if Derek is on the Lakers, I will be pushing for the Lakers to win. 100%. Every Chicago Bulls fan, Derek Rose is held near and dear to everybody's heart. I will back him to the day I die. That if he if he's in contention for the, with the Lakers to win a championship, I'm, I'm pulling for the Lakers for sure. So let's go into our draft pick this year. So the draft is in a couple days. It's next uh, 
Wednesday, so six days from the day we're recording this podcast. Um, it's going to be a very, very interesting draft. It's 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 a draft that hasn't been seen in the past, like, I would say five, six years, honestly. There is no dead number one pick, number two pick. The top five is really up for grabs, and nobody really knows who's going where. The more recent news is that LaMelo Ball is projected to be taken number one to the Timberwolves. Um, he did have some a uh, little bit of issues with he said he wasn't going to work out for any teams. He wasn't going to talk to any teams earlier on. Um, I don't know if that was just his father getting into the mix or if that was due to CBA stuff or, or co- waiting to see what co- would happen with COVID with the season. Um, I will say this. LeVar Ball, the Ball brother's father, is definitely obnoxious. But at the end of the day, the media was going to have to owe him an apology because he's gotten two of his sons drafted in, in a in – a, the upper or the first round. I can't remember when Lonzo went. I'm assuming Lonzo was probably top ten, uh, and then Lamelo is projected to go number one. So I mean, as much as as much as he is obnoxious, he's gotten the job done with producing good good basketball players and sons. Um, so on my list right here, I'll kind of run through really quick and I'll open it up to you guys. Uh, so my list, what I've seen is pretty common throughout many of the mock drafts across CBS, uh, ESPN, stuff like that. Lamelo Ball is going to go number one. Uh, there are some rumors for trades going up to the number two spot, and apparently the Bulls are in the talks for that as well. The number two spot is currently held by Golden State, and it looks like they're going to go after James Wiseman, the center from Memphis, which I think is a good fit because obviously they had the splash rows. They have Draymond. Draymond's more of a, a four, a stretch four maybe. He's not the best shooter. Never really had a true center. Um, and they had JaVale McGee before he left for the uh, – and I, but I don't, I don't think Boogie's on their lineup either anymore either. So it looks like Wiseman would be a pretty good fit for that team, especially coming back with hopefully with a healthy, a healthy uh, Steph and Clay Thompson. Number three, the Hornets. Uh, again, this might be this number three pick might get thrown into trade talks depending on if the Hornets are really real suitors for Russell Westbrook. Uh, right now, they're projected for Anthony Edwards, the shooting guard from Georgia. And he's a fucking lights-out shooter. He'd be a great pickup for any team. Obviously, wouldn't work too well with Golden State because they have Clay and Steph. Um, number four, the Bulls pick coming in. Lots of different reads on where the Bulls are going to go with this draft pick. For me personally, I think Obi Toppin, the power forward from Dayton, is my number one pick for this for the Bulls draft pick. Uh, I think the power forward position is where we need to go. Me personally, I'm out on Laurie Markkinen. I am out on Wendell Carter. I think we need to build around Kobe White and Zach Levine, and we need to start building some strong suits down in the in the low blocks. So Obi Top is my go-to. However, I've seen that some people are saying that uh, Anthony Edwards may drop back to the fourth pick, so the Bulls will be picking up a shooting guard. If that's the case, we could look to see a little bit of small ball with uh, Anthony Edwards, Zach, and Kobe White all playing at the same time. Lastly, the number five pick, we have Cavs going in at, at Denny. Adija, I probably butchered the hell out of that name. Small forward from Israel. Um, again, one of those, you feel like every year there's one uh, player coming out from outside of the United States that's going to be a play a big impact in the NBA. Obviously, last year we had Luka Doncic. Uh, ben Simmons is also a good example of that as well. Uh, there's been a couple 
couple ideas, a couple draft picks being thrown around with Denny falling to the Bulls. The Bulls taking him at number four as a small forward. Don't really have a small forward for the Bulls right now, so I could see that happening. Me, personally, I want Obi Toppin the most. If for some reason James Wyman falls back to four, which I doubt is going to happen, I'd gladly take him, too. Fuck it, dude. I'd be happy with Lamelo Ball. That kid's a fucking baller, and I'd gladly take him, too. So that's kind of my take on this year's draft. Like I said, it's really up in the air. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Boys, what do you got? All right. I know jack shit about NBA draft prospects, so I'm not going to act like I do. But I will say this. This is the first draft with our new uh, coaching, Billy Donovan. Gar and Pax are out. This is a huge draft. We have to make the right calls. Not only is our first-round pick very important, but our second, third, fourth-round picks are even just as uh, important. We have been very bad in getting those second-round, third-round key players. We need to find some this year. We need to make sure that our first-round draft pick is solid. We don't want another five, six years of this rebuild, guys. The Bulls are just not fun to watch. Let's get a good player, a good, exciting young young player. I do like Obi Toppin. I've been looking at some of his highlights. I'm totally open to it. But, of course, if LaMelo Ball falls to us, that would be great for PR for our Chicago Bulls. So, why not? I'm happy with whatever. I'm just excited for Bulls basketball to be back because it has been a long time since we have seen Bulls basketball, since before COVID hit. So it's just going to be nice to be able to sit down and watch the Bulls in a month and two weeks. 100%. I think anyone that we mentioned just just a minute ago would be would fit perfectly on the Bulls. Obviously, we know about LaMelo Ball. He's got a lot of publicity falling around him. His dad, we don't know if we want that, um, especially with kind of rebuilding and trying to change our brand. Um, James Wiseman, I think, you know, that I don't think he's going to follow us either, but another great fit I like Obi Toppin I think he's going to be the one that we choose great name too like you said, great name yes great name I think it's essential that we we make sure we make the right choice here and it's kind of I, mean, I wouldn't say it's obvious but there's there's choices that we definitely should choose and then there's some that we're like we should definitely stay away from so I think it's going to be exciting to see what we do and I guess we just kind of have to wait and be patient yeah Granted, you said it too. Obi Toppin's a great name, and I cannot wait to see. If the Bulls do take him, I can't wait to see what Stacey King pulls out and does some funny uh, twists with Obi's, with Obi's name. So that should be fun. Before we move on to our next segment, I do want to kind of go over the uh, the Bulls' recent draft picks. Pat, when come on, dude. Three- Come on! It's just, I, just want, I just wanted to bring to light as to what Gar and Pax have done and how it makes me feel going forward with this draft. Jack shit. Gar, so... Last year we drafted Colby White. I, I'm a huge fan of this pick. I love Colby. Yes. I think he's going to turn into a huge asset for the Bulls in the future. I'm looking at the, the next how many years is this? Um, I will say you're correct. Colby White was a very good pick last year. I am very looking forward to him. Agreed. Well, uh, Daniel Gafford. I'm pretty sure he's G League for the Bulls. Wendell Carter basically hasn't done shit since he came to the Bulls. Chandler Hutchinson. Don't even think he's on in, on the team anymore. Uh, Justin Patton. Not on the team anymore. Jordan Bell with Golden State. Denzel Valentine obviously uh, popped off in his uh, summer league debut for the Bulls coming yes. this year. Um, and he got hurt and has been hurt ever since, essentially. So he hasn't done shit. In I think he's year. a free agent this year, too. So Okay, that's, that could be, that's a good point as well. Yeah. Uh, Paul Zipser, I couldn't even tell you who that is. Bobby Portis, obviously he left to go to New York. Um, 
Cameron Barristow, I think I saw that name for like two games back in 2014. Tony Snell was decent when we had him. Yes. Obviously no longer on the team. The last notable draft pick the Bulls have taken. Don't say it, I Pat. Like, Don't say it's it. It's Jimmy Butler. It's Jimmy Butler in 2011. That hurts. It's Jimmy Butler. And then before that, um, maybe Taj Gibson in 2009 and obviously Derrick Rose in 2008 and Joe Keem in 2007. So, like, the pet, I mean, we really can't fuck up even worse. Like, it's been a horrible group. And even uh, Ori Markkinen's in that mix as well. And Nikola Miritich is also in that mix as well, too. Miritich, two, baby. Two, two players coming over um, from the Euro Leagues that have were highly sought-out prospects that just haven't turned out. Um, so I have very good upside that we're no longer under the rule of guard packs and that we can move forward, hopefully with a good uh, draft pick. And I think – I, I really do. I think the, the future for the Bulls is bright. Um, so I'll wrap that up, and I'm proud to dive into our very first Cowboys. Let's go! Real quick, before we do that real quick, I think it kind of – we circle back here to the Chicago sports being so, like, bad and the management and everything and being so negative. I think it goes back to our draft, too. I think we try to be too fucking pretty. I think, like, we try to be the ones that kind of, like, throw people off with Mitchell Trubisky trading up and getting him. Um, taking uh, Lula Mark in it. I know he's kind of this guy that no one really knew about. It's kind of like, I, see, I feel like it's a reoccurring thing where we see us trying to be too pretty or too outside of the box. How do you guys feel about that? Agree, 100%. Uh, yeah, simple as that. I think I agree 100%. We do try to be too cute with it, and it usually never really works out. So I think it's a great point to bring up in the way that, you know, that negative aura around Chicago sports, essentially. All right, so you boys ready for some college football? We are ready. And, Pat, go ahead and lead us into the first game. Let's do it. So I'm going to do a rapid-fire go-through of the last week's most notable games, and then we'll kind of dive into a couple topics I want we, uh, we're going to talk about. So first – Brandon's Notre Dame fighting Irish defeat Clemson 47-40 in double overtime. Great game. I'm putting an asterisk next fake. to this game. It's fake. It's fake. I'm putting an asterisk next to this game as Trevor Lawrence did not play. Number two, my Oregon Ducks take care of Stanford 35-14 in the opening day of the Pac-12. PT's Illini get absolutely shit on by Minnesota 31-14, <laughs> which ultimately led them, led them to punting on fourth and goal from their own 50-yard line. Tough scene for the Illini, but it gets better for the Illini basketball, so we'll get into that too. Number eight, Florida takes down number five, Georgia. I think Florida's going to be a big uh, team competing for that number four spot in the college football playoffs. The My hated Ohio State Buckeyes, sorry, Bert. They handle the Rutgers <laughs> Shut up, uh, Bert. team 49-27. to 27. <laughs> And lastly, Brandon, I'm sorry. I'm going to go with this is my game of the week from last week. Uh, Indiana takes down Michigan 38-21. to 21. Those are my notable games, so let's get into some topics right now. Let's talk about that Notre Dame game. Uh, you know what, Brandon, because this is your team, I'll let you lead the oh, way. Hold up, hold up, Here. hold up. Let's just get out of Illinois out of the way real quick. Uh, <laughs> hold up. They suck ass. They're, they are awful. Honestly, we could run the Bears in Illinois out in the field, and it would just be like a big pillow fight. It would be 0-0, zero to zero, and they have to go overtime, and then it would just end up in a tie at the end. Um, yes, the key great thing that everyone knows about this game is, yes, they put it on fourth and fourth and goal from their 50. It's just unreal. Yeah. Um, everyone's Everyone was kind of happy on Lovey coming in a couple of years ago and that he'd be able to get every house and recruiting in the nation. And he's brought in some good guys, but they're not playing. Where are they? Where Where, where is my four-star um, 
what's his name? Marquez Beeson, where is he? He's, he was literally one of the top recruited guys in the nation, and he's not even playing. Uh, we've got our, you know, we, we've we've been struck by COVID, but so has everybody else. I mean, we got shit on by Wisconsin, and I don't even want to talk about that. All right, well, all right. All right. Brandon, take it away. Let's talk about your Fighting Irish, buddy. All right. So here's the thing. Great game overall by both teams. It was absolutely fantastic to watch. Obviously, it was a shootout, 47 to 40 in double OT. Overtime in college football is one of my favorite things to watch. It is so much better than uh, the NFL overtime, in my opinion. So we're just going to get into the obvious topic here of this game. And obviously, that's Trevor Lawrence not playing. Here's the thing. And I'm interested to hear what you guys think of this argument. Because I was on the boat with you guys. This game has an asterisk because Trevor Lawrence did not play. Here's the thing. DJ Aluga, whatever, threw for... (laughs) Okay. Threw for 440 yards, two touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. I don't think that Trevor Lawrence could have done much more. 440 yards. That is an unbelievable... And shout out to him coming in as a freshman and just letting it hang out. I mean, he's been absolutely unbelievable. Also, shout out to Ian Book, who has uh, had his struggles over the years. Definitely uh, the highlight of his life. The highlight of his life winning this game. Uh, So yeah, so I'm curious what you guys are thinking about the argument. One last thing before you guys talk. I want to give a warning to my fellow Notre Dame fans. Take a step back, because we're going to be seeing Clemson again, and we're going to be seeing Trevor Lawrence. Don't get too hyped up, because we're going to look like absolute dumb fucks if Trevor Lawrence wipes the field with us. Yeah, so a um, couple of things. You know it's a great college football game when you're blacked out by the end of the game? That was me. It was great. It was a great game. I enjoyed every second of it. Um, it, it, it's just what you want to see. Sometimes I think we've been seeing way too much of it. Where we have we're supposed to have marquee matchups, and it's just a shooting game because one team blows them out. And, I, and this is this is a very rare game that we had. Second of all, shout out to Big Cat. Um, he said on uh, Pick Central Day Barstool's gambling show, um, he said that the Bears are gonna start tanking now for DJ Ukulelewele. Uh, How about Ian Book? I, I'm I'm on that train. I'm on that train, and we're gonna we're gonna tank for three years. Bears are going to start tanking for three years for DJ, and I'm on that train. I am 100% um, on that train. More, yeah, exactly. <laughs> on a more serious note, I think Notre Dame looks really good. Um, and, it, and, you know, I, I don't know why I hate Notre Dame. I just do. I don't know where it comes from. I'm just not a Notre Dame fan. I get it. Nor, Notre I get Dame it. Guy. Um, but, you know, I think that they, they came to play, and I, and I got to give it to them. Clemson also came. To, like I said, it was a great game. I think it all came down to just the fact that Trevor Lawrence was in the game. Hate to say it. Hate to say it, but that's just me right there. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll preface this by saying this, too, that I am not a Notre Dame fan. Uh, my family was never <laughs> Notre Dame fans coming growing up, and it's kind of just what um, <clears throat> is what I've kind of grown into. That being said, this was an absolutely phenomenal game, and this may go down depending on what – pans out in the future as one of the as the best game of the college football this year in my opinion um to begin uh i think 
It was it was bad on the offenses. I think we can agree with this. Defense didn't really do too much. However, I do think that <clears throat> the reason why Notre Dame won is because they were able to shut down Travis Etienne. I think it came down to the run game. Uh, Travis Etienne, obviously, I mean, arguably one of the best running backs in the league right now, or in the in the college football. 18 carries for 28 yards. That's fucking David Montgomery type stats right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's what that was the turning point of the game. Brandon, as you said. College overtime football is one of the best things. To Electric win. for for me, it's going NHL playoff hockey, MLB like October World Series, and then honestly college football play play or college football overtime rules. The NFL really needs to adopt that, but that's another debate. DJ Uwe uh, Ungalele, I mean, he's looked absolutely phenomenal in these games. He stepped in at. Um, so I mean, Brandon, you make a good point. As much as it hurts me to say, as I as much as I don't like Notre Dame, is I don't know how bad, much better can can uh, Trevor Lawrence really do. I mean, I really don't know. I mean, there was no turnovers. I mean, DJ didn't throw a pick or anything like that. So it's a good it's a good point. And this next game, and I'm assuming it's probably going to be the ACC championship game. Yep. it's going to be a real dogfight. And Trevor's in there. Maybe Trevor's got more experience. You know, he's been in the, the situation or the in the position before. Um, I mean, this too, and I have to say this, is Notre Dame is known for, like, Brian Kelly's known for choking when it comes to, like, clutch situations near playoff time. So I think that aura is going to be around the Notre Dame fan base going forward. But, um, I mean, it was a hell of a game. Notre Dame played really well, and I think the reason why they won is because they shut down Travis Etienne in the in the, in the end game. Um, a, a hot seat for Notre Dame, though, is that uh, that – that uh, visual of all the fans over the field after the game probably isn't a good look. For oh them. yeah, I wanted to talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> probably not a good look for the school in no. the midst of a pandemic. Nope. But um, I mean, that's just how Notre Dame rolls. So fuck you, Pat. <laughs> all right. So I want to talk about it for one second. It's a terrible look for Notre Dame, but I will say this: the week upcoming to the game, you had to test negative for COVID to get the tickets. But there's still a gap in between the test and going to the game where somebody could have obviously contracted COVID. Uh, and that shit sp- uh, go- spreads like wildfire. So yeah. th- uh, there were a lot of bodies next to each other. That's for sure. It was a, it was a good look, though, because a lot of people were wearing masks if you do look at that picture up close. So yes. it was a good look. Good look, bad look. It's not too not the best idea for Notre Dame, honestly, and, and coming off such a big win. Yes. Overall, uh, Notre Dame wins. It was a good weekend. Yes, I, I it was a, it was a hell of a game, and I tip my cap to Notre Dame fans and just be ready once the AC championship rolls around. Yes. No, just thank God they're in masks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, so my game of the week was Indiana versus Michigan. This Indiana team looks very good so far this year. They're making a statement in the Big Ten, and Michigan, they're falling. Dude, apart dude what right the now, fuck? So, yeah. They're not producing right now, so this is my question. Guys, is Coach Harbaugh on the hot seat? How much longer is he going to have a job in Michigan? Dude, I mean, looking at the stats of Har, if you want to talk about coaches that can't compete in the big-time games, I think Harbaugh is there before Brian Kelly. In the fact, I remember how much hype there was behind him getting uh, signed to coach for Michigan, and it just has not worked out. And it might be time for them to go their separate ways. He hasn't been able to finish on the big games. I mean, it's not good when you're losing to Indiana as Michigan. I mean, it's just not good. Harbaugh is uh, definitely on the hot seat. 
And we'll see if he even makes it till the end of the season. If they have another big time loss like this past weekend, who knows? Well, you got to give respect to Indiana too. This team is really good. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah. And, and you have a young quarterback that obviously still has is raw and still trying to figure out his way. Um, I love Milton. I think he's going to be a really good quarterback. I think he's got some swagger, and I think he definitely just fits in that um, Michigan mold. Switching over to Harbaugh, this man is like a broken record. Can't beat Ohio State. Can't win a big game. It's, it, I mean, like, I, ever since I've kind of, like, been watching college football, you know, you, you're younger. Michigan was was pretty good. But now they're just like, I mean, they can't win a big game. Yeah, they can beat Illinois. But when it, when, they, when it comes down to it, and the, they can't beat Ohio State. They can't beat... Um, a good Minnesota team that it's just it's, it's gonna see. I mean, they gotta gotta figure out what they're gonna do soon. Yeah, it's it's a big question mark for Michigan right now. And PT, I think you said it best: is this this Indiana team is very good, and they're making their name known in the Big Ten. Uh, obviously, they're not an Ohio State team. But they're, they're definitely growing. They have a lot of young core pieces that are really starting to grow into what they were kind of uh, expected to be underneath their head coach. So, yeah, they're a very good team. I think Harbaugh is really on the hot seat. I don't know. If you're him, like, and I know I know as much as I hate Notre Dame and I hate Ohio State, I know my man Bert, as he's listening, he's he's going to attest that he's a diehard Ohio State fan. He'll probably be able to spit the, the stats right off how Harbaugh probably is. I don't even know if he's won a game against Ohio State this year. Regardless, they play Ohio State in December 12th, I believe. Obviously, barring no unforeseen stuff with COVID, um, they'll be playing then. I mean, do you, if you're Harbaugh, do you want to play Ohio State one last time? No. Or you can before going to Ohio State? No, and here, here here's a team that I wouldn't want to face even more if, if I was Harbaugh. I would not want to face Michigan State again because he is 3-3 three and three against Michigan State, and that is a terrible look for Michigan. Yeah. And also, going back to Indiana, not ripping on Indiana. They're a great team. Michigan cannot lose to Indiana by three scores. Not good. Not good at all. Not good at all. No. Not good. All right, so that'll wrap up our uh, college football segment for the first time. So we're going to end out on a little bit of college basketball. PT, I know you're happy to talk about this for a little bit. The first top 25 for college basketball has been released. Baylor is coming in at number uh, – excuse me. No, Baylor's coming in at number one. Gonzaga's at number two. And Villanova is coming in at number three. PT, your line are coming in at number 10, a very, very highly anticipated basketball program in the uh, – in the. Uh, College basketball, three Big Ten schools are rounded out in the top 25 with Iowa at number six and Wisconsin at number seven. Yeah, 100%. I think it's going to be a real interesting season for many reasons. What's going to happen? Is there going to, is it going to be bubble? There's no fans. How are the players going to react to that? I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be great to watch. Um, and I'm just going to read you a quote real quick by Brad Underwood, Illinois basketball team uh, head coach. I think this Big Ten – basketball season will be the best ever. You don't know how excited that game is. Gets me going. And Illinois is finally back. Back to the good old days. With D for three, baby. You know how we're rocking. I love Illinois basketball. It's, 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 it's This is the bright spot of my sports right now. I can go on and on. But just watch out because Illinois is coming for all of you guys. Duke, Baylor, watch out. Yes. 
Uh, sticking with PT here, uh, I have watched multiple Illini games with PT at school, and he gets very into it. So I'm very excited to see PT get fired up over the Illini this year. They're a very good team. Obviously, the big question mark was having those two big guys in Kofi and uh, and AO coming back, and they did. Ayo. And I, I mean, I think regardless, I mean, me and Brandon are pretty familiar with AO because he, he's from uh, not he went to high school not too far away from our hometown or our high school at least. But uh, I mean, they were if if the tournament went on last year, Illinois wasn't obviously a highly they weren't a number one, number two type team, but they are one of those teams that would have been able to make a run in the tournament last year. So I think we're all very excited to see what college basketball looks like as that season should be kicking up in a couple weeks actually, uh, two or three weeks that season's going to be picking up. So it's going to be have it's going to be good to have football, both football, NFL, college, basketball, NBA, and college. It's going to be a lot of fun going forward, boys. <clears throat> yes. All right, that does it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening, as always. Make sure to check us out on Twitter, Facebook. We're going to get Instagram up and running. We're going to be going all out. We're getting pumped up. Football is in full swing. College basketball is coming. There's not a greater time. And, of course, the NBA will be back in a month. Thank you guys for listening, and see you next week. Peace. Peace. Finds Rose. Rose trying to get open. Fires away. Bang! It's over! The Bulls win at the buzzer! Oh, baby, Chris Bryant! Hester, under it, and to the middle with the 15 of the 20.